All About the G is brought to you by Pete's Cold Brew, proud partner of St. Mary's College Athletics. Welcome to All About the G, your one-stop shop for everything St. Mary's Athletics. I'm your host, Alex Jensen. Let's get started with this week's episode. Barry Tompkins and Dan Bilwamini have been calling games together for over 35 years. Having spent plenty of time watching college basketball on the West Coast, and particularly the West Coast Conference, this announced team sat down to discuss the art of broadcasting and take a look at this year's WCC race. Fellas, first of all, welcome back to Moraga. Second time in, uh, I guess, just a week and a, a half. Week. You had the Dayton game, right? Yeah, that's, that's right. right. Yeah, that's so right. Uh, we always love coming here. Oh well, yeah, well, except for the hike off the freeway, right? There's that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, but plenty of good restaurants, as you guys well know as well. So, um, let, listen, let, let's start here. Uh, how long have you guys been calling games together? Because I remember, you know, coming back when, well. when I was when I was in school here. I remember you guys calling you guys calling games. Yeah, here if we probably so. called games when your father was going to school here. No, uh, well. We were talking about that. We just, were. Just we were a couple weeks ago. It's thirty-five years. Thirty-five. So this this actually is our thirty-sixth year. I, I we did it for thirty-five. My recollection I is right. we this is our thirty-sixth year. So do you remember the first game that oh. you called together? I can't say that I do. Actually. I, I can't either. Uh, I don't know. It was very likely in this conference, though, um, or the Pac-12, Pac-10, then. Yeah. Maybe, maybe even Pac-8 that. I can't remember. That's what my dad would go back to, the Pac-8 days, yeah. right? Uh, yeah. Um, I don't I don't particularly remember the first one. In fact, Dan and I were talking earlier today that I don't remember a lot of the games we did. You know, they just kind of come and go. And uh, there's a few that I that obviously stick out. But uh, for the most part, you do them, and then they're on their way to Pluto. <laughs> yeah. Well, what are some of those games that stick out? I mean, 35 years, that's, I mean, you've, you've seen a lot of basketball together. Sure have. Are there any in particular that stick out? I'll tell you one that sticks out for me, and it was really because of Dan's call, because he just really nailed it. It was a game at Oregon, and I don't even remember who Oregon was playing, but they had a guard named Kenya Watkins, and, uh, and he had a buzzer beater to beat. It might have been UCLA. Uh, and Dan just n- – as only Dan can do, uh, I have always admired his enthusiasm. And after 37 years, he has the same kind of enthusiasm as he had the first time we, we worked together. Um, he, his, his call of it, or the way he described it after the fact, was just perfect. You know, he got really excited. I do not believe it. I don't remember <laughs> the words, but, but it captured all the emotion, and it was at Matt Court, which was an emotional place to begin with. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, it, and actually, when, when I first started, when Barry and I first kind of got together, I was really a neophyte, you know, coming out of coaching. I didn't know up from down. I didn't know a headset from a, from a microphone. So Barry's the one that really kind of brought me along and, and taught me the business on, you know, how to lay out, how, you know, when to come in. I didn't know, you know, I just thought you, you kind of put the headsets on, keep talking. Uh, I was good at talking, so I could just keep on going, but I didn't realize I was kind of run- He had to call a game, <laughs> you know, so you had to be a little bit careful and, uh, my recollection, and we were talking about this today at lunch, was was uh, a lot of the a lot of the LMU games that we called way back in the uh, day with Paul Westhead, and you know when, when they had uh, Hank, uh, you know the late Hank Gathers and Bo Kimball, and uh, I remember doing a game uh, at at Oregon State where, uh, in, in fact, it was Hank did not play in that game. Uh, later on, you know, he passed away the same year. 
but he didn't play in that game. And Bo Kimball went for 53, and Gary Payton went for 48. It was 117 to like 100 and whatever, seven. It's still the all-time record in terms of points, you know, at, at uh, for for an Oregon State game. So, you know, a, a lot of those and then so many, so many Pac-10, Pac-12 games, you know, we were doing – we were doing almost every game, so many UCLA games with Reggie Miller, who, who to this day, and I'll tell you this story, to this day was the only player that I recall that when the season ended, of course, we did probably 10 or 15 UCLA games when he was playing his, his last year, came over to the announcer's table and just wanted to take the time to thank us and and said, you know, I really appreciate all the kind words and all you have done. Don McLean was another That's one that, right. uh, that that always thanked us, uh, you know, for for everything. So very few players, you know, do that. But those were the years when, you know, we were seeing them a, a number of times. So you know, those little things kind of stand out. Interesting. Reggie Miller and Don McLean, both guys that are in the business. And, That's and, right. And, and another guy too, the guy that played at Oregon State, Hurd, who was working for the Pac-12. Yeah, Gar. Yeah, I'm not sure. Gar. Not Gar. Uh, uh, I can't uh, remember his first name either. Yeah, but uh, he yeah. he was. There were three of them that I recall. The two that Dan mentioned and him, and they're all broadcasters now. Everyone forgets about us. You know, I mean, we're sitting <laughs> right. over there at exactly. the table. Everyone forgets right. about it until it's time to finally come and talk to us. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Or they, shoot around like Randy Bennett today. That's right. Well, and I think you know it's easy. We just sit down. I get people. And I'm sure you do too. All the time, say, "What a great job you have! You work two hours a week. You know, it's fantastic. You go well, to a game, you go home, you get a great seat. You know, they don't realize everything that goes into it before the game is that's where the work is. Right, and it, it is a fantastic job. I mean, I wouldn't rather be doing anything else. But like you said, I mean, it's not. I always used to think you sit down, you call the game, done. Not so. Not I mean, there's so a lot of preparation. Now, that a goes a into. tremendous amount of preparation. <laughs> the one thing that's interesting, though. As I think most broadcasters will tell you, that once the game is over, you know, you remember everything, you're really prepared. But once the game is over, it's like a kind of a sigh of relief. You walk out. There's a lot of things you forget about, whatever, about yeah. individual players. And really because you're moving on to the next game. You know, the sure. last game is the last game you did. And that kind of kind of blanks away from your memory. And now you're moving on. What game do I have next? Yeah. And, and uh, it, it's sometimes hard to recall exactly – you know, what happened in previous games because you, you forgot about them by that, that time. That's the coach talking to you, Dan, right there. That's the coach. <laughs> you, one at a time, right? I mean, I'll, one at a time. I'll tell you how bad it is for me. And it, one of the reasons is I've always done a lot of different sports. And I think really that's why I've been able to do this as long as I have because, you know, I've, I've, well, to give you an idea, there was Sports Illustrated one year had a calendar and a uh, yearly calendar. And for every month they, or every week rather, they had a sport. And I had done 49 of the 52 sports that they listed on the calendar. <laughs> that is variety. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, so what I, I can never, I've never been able and still can't, like I have a fight next week, but I've got two games before the fight. So I can't be thinking about the fight or even the next game for that matter while I'm thinking about this game. Right. So when this game is over, I mean, it's like a toilet. It's just <laughs> it's flushed, you know, <laughs> to the point to the point that if we have to fill for 10 minutes or 15 minutes, if I don't write the score of the game down right after the game, I'll forget the score of the game. And usually even who won by the time we go off the air. We'll take a sidebar here real quick with you, Barry, because you brought up something interesting. Most memorable fight you've done one and two. Uh, the t you mentioned 49 sports, 49 different sports you've called, might even be more. Um, but toughest sport you've had to call? Well, I'll start with the first one. The first one was uh, 
Hagler, uh, Hagler Leonard, uh, Sugar Ray Leonard, Marvin Hagler. Uh, it wasn't the greatest fight I've ever done, but it was the biggest event. And uh, it was like the only thing I could equate to it was the Kentucky Derby. Uh, and the reason is there's all this talk and all this conversation that leads up to the event, that when the event actually starts to happen, uh, you can feel it. It goes way beyond, it's palpable. It goes way beyond description. Uh, that's the case with the Kentucky Derby. Everybody talks about the race, the race, the race, the race, and then when the gates open and the horses come out of the starting gate, I'm telling you, you can feel it. You feel it in your chest. That's what it was like for uh, Hagler Leonard. The first time the the crowd saw them when they started to make their ring walk. You could literally feel it. I mean, it was more than just describing it. You could, you could actually feel it. So for that reason, that was the biggest fight I'd ever done. Um, the hardest sport I ever ever had to call. Well, there's a couple. One, uh, w and they were both at the Olympics. Uh, I got asked one time. Uh, it was Al Troutwig and I actually, and we got asked to go over and do a. Women's field hockey game. It was between <laughs> India, <Wow>. India, <laughs> and, India and Pakistan. Oh, <laughs> man. So, did you have a board? We had nothing. No, we, had no, no. we had nothing. Did so you memorize we, the we names? We went over to the facility <laughs> like three hours before. It <laughs> was the rule book. <laughs> you know? rule we, book. We read the rules, and then we quizzed each other on terminology, you know, and we did the game. You know, we had no idea who the players were, <laughs> who you know, who anybody was. We we were, we were referring to it as full contact golf. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I I mean, I've seen field hockey at the. I cannot imagine calling field hockey, and especially on that short a notice with just three hours yeah, to prepare. Yeah, it was just, it was it was goofy. And then the other one was uh, at the Winter Olympics. It was in Sarajevo, and uh, and I was doing alpine skiing, which I had done a little bit of. So I I do understand that sport but one day the skiing was off and they asked me to go over and do bobsled and <laughs> and uh, a guy named bill white used to be the president of the national league at one time uh was also broadcaster mm -hmm. did the yankees and i forget how many other teams he did but uh he was doing bobsled so i went over to him, i said bill i said how do you do bobsled he said here they come here they come <laughs> around there the bend they, no no around no, the bend no bend here they come there they go. <laughs> That's it. That was bobsled. Unbelievable. <laughs> well, I know that. I mean, the Olympics are so much fun to watch on TV. But, again, I, some of those sports are so far beyond what I understand right now. It's It'd be tough. I admire you for that. It's fun. It's fun. You know, it's like the whole thing. And, as you know, you're in the business. It's all about staying one step ahead of the class. Yeah. You know, you want to be just a little bit smarter than the smartest kid in the class. And uh, and that's what it's like. You know, so if you, if you learn the terminology – uh, you don't have to be an expert. You know, I don't have to be an expert in any sport that I do because I got Dad Bowamani sitting <laughs> next to me. No, for Great real. point. He's an expert. Yeah. You know, I've got Sugar Ray Leonard sitting next to me in boxing. You know, I've got whoever, whatever the sport is you're doing, you're doing with somebody who played the sport at a fairly high level. So if you speak the language of the sport and you can run a sentence together and you don't make a gaffe like, you know, you don't call a tennis match six to nothing, you know. Sure. Um, Nowadays, you're you're infamous on YouTube for that. <laughs> Is that right? Well, you are. Well, that's I would, right. I would think so. Yeah. You bet. I mean, I, well, that's true. Knock on wood. I mean, it's never happened to me, but. No, that, um, is, that is true. Yeah. You know, another element that, that Barry always taught me is to say relevant. You know, not, you know, we have to be a little bit careful because when we're doing a basketball game, it, it's it's difficult sometimes to refer back to what happened 30 years ago. Sure. Because the audience 
you know, they, they can't attach to that. That doesn't really mean anything to them. It means a lot to us, but we got to really be careful not to go back and talk about things that, you know, were a long time ago and stay kind of in the present and talk about reference players that everybody, you know, if you're going to talk about the pros, you, you can't go back and say, well, when Bill Russell, you know, when Bill Russell, we know Bill Russell was a great player. How many people have ever seen him play? I <laughs> did, but not many. Right. So you have to talk more about, you know, players that are, that are in, in, in time and in, in current situations now. So A good, a good example yeah. of that is here at St. Mary's, you've got Thomas Sherry's That's right. hanging from the rafters. We remember Tom. We went to high school the same Yeah, right. we remember him. Yeah, so. Against Fred LaCour. Yes. We can't, it's hard to reference that. Nobody remembers seeing Thomas Sherry against Fred LaCour except us. And what a great battle it was at Keysar Stadium and how that place was packed whenever you had a, a, a Lowell SI game and, you know, all the great players that Lowell High School had. But, you know, that that was many, many years ago. Well, that's where you kind of got to pick your spots. You I do. Mean, you yeah. get a shot of Thomas Sherry's name in the Raptors. You bring back the fact that his numbers uh, also retired with the Golden State Warriors. Correct. I mean, that's uh, where you can kind of. Uh, but on a local game. You sure. Can, we, uh, you absolutely. Can if you do a national game, it's a, it's completely different. Yes. You can't it's, touch that. You can't touch national. it. Well, like a local game, like uh, I don't know about tonight, but although we'll probably talk about Ford, for instance, playing on the Folsom team that won a state championship you know we might talk about high schools and that right. kind of thing on a local game but obviously on a on a national game doesn't hold gonna, much relevance not touch that yeah. yeah all right well let's let's bring it back to the wcc now i mean you guys have, have been um you know calling games this conference for quite some time dan i know you played and coached in this conference uh with the dons what's the i mean what's the outlet right now there's three teams at the top uh and it's kind of been that way ever since byu joined the conference um which one of those three teams is the favorite? Is there is there another team that, that could come in and surprise? Uh, I would I would say right. You know, Barry and I have talked about this. The, the, you know, quite a bit. I, I would say it's right now a three team league. I mean, it, when you it's hard to get past St. Mary's, Gonzaga, and BYU. I, I don't know who would challenge him. I, I think the game there's a game tonight that's going to be interesting because USF plays at San Diego, and to me, San Diego has been a little bit of a wild card, and and they've played well, and USF's coming off a really good win against Nevada in a tournament. So I'm kind of interested to see, you know, which one of those teams survives and how they will. But I I don't think uh, – I, I would say right now, uh, St. Mary's to me is still the team to beat. I think Gonzaga's a little better than everybody thought, but they, they you know, losing Collins and all the guys they did last year they and, and Karnowski and, and all their – you know, and they, they can't be as good, and I don't think they are. Um, and, and BYU – always has players and they're always a team that's hard to beat you know they, they're going to try to outscore you there. they're going to try to yeah. outscore you and they can't i see it as a three-team horse race i see right now st mary's got the edge i know they had you know some slippage in in a tournament you know when they lost to georgia in overtime and lost to washington state and they probably turned the ball over more in those games than they they normally do uh, but i think the gales are getting better and that's the one thing about randy bennett's teams and we've said this on the air we said it every year they do get better and better as the year goes on, and I think that will uh, that will serve them well. I'm a little disappointed uh, just in the fact that I really thought this year there'd be more parity in the West Coast Conference. Uh, and instead, I think uh, the haves and the have-nots are even more widely spread than they have been in the past. You know, I'm a little disappointed in, in Santa Clara. I thought they would be, it's a big one. you know, at least maybe a 500 team. Uh, you know, I kind of thought Portland would improve. I don't see that happening at all. Uh, and I frankly thought USF was going to be better. Now, they may get it going before it's all done. 
But the way it stands right now, uh, there's a lot less parity than there was even last year. And even last year was the have and the have nots. Yeah. And USF's going to be an interesting one to watch because they are still getting better and they're without Charles Minlin. That's was, correct. Uh, you know, I thought he'd be back. I thought he'd be back by the conference. I think a lot of people and, did. And, and many felt that way. But it was, I believe he hurt shoulder. his shoulder. Yeah. Uh, so but with him and Rotino on, on the floor right. at the same time, yeah. those are two guys that can really score. And Rotino really has been the only stabilizing force through through the the season so far that yep. started every game that's been that's been uh, you know a primetime player for him and others you know have kind of mixed and matched in there so you're right though Midland Midland's a guy that's a wild card and I think if he can get back soon I think that'll make a big difference with USF no I'm, I'm with you now I think that game is, is is one to watch as we open WCC play tonight San Diego and San Francisco because you've got two teams coming in that are riding some momentum. I mean, USF just beat Nevada to win that tournament in Las Vegas, the Continental Tire Classic, I believe it was. And, you know, San Diego's success in the preseason has been well docked. I mean, three big road wins. I, I believe Mexico they won State. at Colorado. Colorado. I think San Diego yeah. won at Colorado, which Colorado, say what State you want. That, that's, you know, I, I've seen Colorado. And, uh, you know, it's not a great Colorado team, I can tell you that. But still, winning in Colorado is not easy, especially right. in that altitude. And that's a, that's a great win. And they beat them by 10. So that's a nice win. All About the G is brought to you by Pete's Cold Brew, proud partner of St. Mary's College Athletics. All cold brews are not created equal. Pete's is brewed cold and meant to stay that way. We never overheat it or add ingredients to make it shelf stable. Always cold means it's always fresh. Cold is our only preservative. Pete's Cold Brew, the difference is true. Follow us on Twitter at All About the G. You can get show information and interact with us by submitting feedback or a question or topic to be discussed on a future episode. That's at All About the G on Twitter, or send us an email at allaboutthegales at gmail.com. It's hard to say now because we haven't seen all these teams play yet, but there, is there a team outside of those five we just talked about that may surprise some people? Uh, I don't see it happening in Santa Clara. I don't see it happening in Portland. I don't see it happening in Stockton. Um, so beyond the, I mean, San Diego, we did talk about San Diego. Sure. Maybe they're the deal. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, they, like you said, there were some quality wins there. Uh, Colorado, yes, maybe they're not as good. New Mexico State's pretty good. New Mexico know? State just beat Miami. Yeah, I know they did. They're yeah. pretty good. I think they're 11 and 2 or 11 and 3, something. Trust me, like that. we're watching them closely here. Yeah, I'll bet you are. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, but I, I think beyond that, I can't, I can't find a team that I think can subtly find lightning in a bottle. No, I don't either. And, uh, you know, I have not seen Pepperdine in person, so I, I have not. I know Barry will soon, but I, I, I don't see them making a dent. And LMU, uh, you know, all new players. They, I mean, yeah. uh, Peter Herman's not playing this year, and he was a returning starter. He broke his foot, so he lost his whole starting lineup. He's, he's playing five new guys, yeah. as Mike Dunlap. So I, I don't see them, you know, doing uh, making any dent in the top three. So I, I really think it's those three. Um, and uh, I think St. Mary's has the edge, but we know Gonzaga, you know, is another team that gets better as the year goes on, and, and BYU's the wild card. I mean, they, they can get hot, and they, it doesn't, doesn't matter who they have, but they can score. Yeah. They got scores on that team. You know, uh, LMU, now that you mention them, they're a team that I think somewhere along the line they're going to jump up and beat somebody they're not supposed to beat. They almost have already this year. They Washington. lost to Washington yeah. by two. Yeah. They lost uh, – there was another one that I'm, I'm blanking on right now. 
Uh, but oh, UT Arlington. Yeah. Uh, and didn't UT Arlington beat St. Mary's here last year? They did, and they also beat BYU at BYU, at BYU this so year. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Um, well, let's bring it home here with uh, with looking at St. Mary's now, and what first of all, what Randy Bennett's been able to do here. I mean, you guys go back to 17 years ago uh, when when he took over that two win team. Um, what's what's impressed you about what he's been able to build here? You know, for me, uh, the, the biggest hallmark of how well a coach is doing is not necessarily measured in wins and losses, although that's a pretty good barometer for him, yeah, too. That's true. <laughs> but it's do his players get better. And I think that's the thing Dan and I talk about all the time with Randy Bennett. And what really sets him apart is almost to the number his players all get better. And by the time they leave here, they're a hell of a lot better player than they were when they walked in the door here. Londale being a classic example of right. that you know but there's examples up and down the line with him and i think that says something as to his ability to to coach you know i, I mean i think he can coach anywhere i think i think he he could win anywhere uh but i think he's in a comfortable place and i think the, the school from the best that i know is taking care of him you know they want him to be here he's got great support he's got the pipeline to australia i don't think there's ever going to be a bad saint mary's team i think they'll be very good ones and good ones. I don't ever think they'll be a bad one. Yeah, I, I just think, you know, I remember doing games when Randy took over here, and we said, oh, gosh, I mean, you know, you know this team only won two games. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're going all of a sudden now they're getting better and better. And he figured it out. I mean, he, he likes St. Mary's. He likes where he's at. He's comfortable here. And, and to, to St. Mary's credit, they gave him a 10-year contract, and they want to keep him here. But what's the definition of a good coach? What, what does that mean? I'll tell you what it means to me. Not only are you a terrific X and O guy, and you can, and most guys are. I mean, they reach the collegiate level. Most coaches know what they're doing. Otherwise, they wouldn't be there. But also, you've, you have to be a good recruiter. You have to find a way to get some talent into your program and then try to make them better and better. So with Randy, you know, the, the Adam Cape Horn uh, uh, kicker, Daniel Kicker. I know Cape Horn was the first guy that, to come over, and he established an area of the world that he could recruit and didn't have to really compete to go to Los Angeles or New York or Chicago, and you're, you're, you're fighting, you know, 30 different schools for, for one player. Instead, he was able to establish a rapport in Australia, and that's what got it going. Now the reputation, the success, um, you know, the lineage of coaches that have played for him, uh, and now Adam is is back coaching in, in, in Australia. Australia. Yeah. So it all comes together, and you're right. Will St. Mary's ever have a bad team when Randy Bennett is here? I don't think I so. He has it. figured yeah. it out. Yeah. And, and why leave when you know? You know this ahead of time before the year starts you're probably going to win 20 or more games with the players that you have. You're going to be competitive to win an NCAA champion, not, to win a conference and to get in the NCAA tournament. You're going to be in that, in that realm. So I really give him all the credit in the world. And then when he does get them, to Barry's point, he does get Londale and, and you know, all the guys, they do get better and better. And what, what else has happened, all of a sudden now, because of the success, you know, he gets transfers. I, I, I saw Rob Jones out there working out. Remember, Rob transferred, came back to St. Mary's. Uh, you know, you can go through the names of all the players that he's been able to get and then p 
pick his recruiting spots locally like a Diamond Simpson to bring in here that maybe a lot of guys didn't recruit, and he ends up being one of the top rebounders uh, ever at St. Mary's. So, you know, the, you just got to give him all the credit in the world. I mean, he's just – what he's done here has been, t to me, amazing. The culture that he's built here. You mentioned Rob Jones. He's back on staff. Adam Caporn was on staff a few years ago. I mean, that's got to mean a lot to, to the younger guys here that, that former players are coming back when they, you know, when they say, you know, maybe my professional route's done, I want to start coaching, I'm going to call Coach Bennett. Well, and Pat, and Patty Mills and Della Bedover, two guys. Who no, that doesn't hurt either. No, you know, and they're, they're, they always come back here. They're always, I mean, I realize sometimes it's to be honored, but – but right. they obviously have a soft spot for the school. Well, they do run an open gyms here. I can tell you that much during the summer. Yeah. So, and that's that's also nice to see. Okay, this year's team for St. Mary's. I, Dan, you mentioned kind of the, the stumble in, in Southern California, which was unexpected. Maybe exposed a couple of flaws. I know with you know with, without Kyle Clark, that was kind of an unexpected uh, wrench to be thrown into the equation. But they seem to be finding an identity now. And you guys had the Dayton game last mm -hmm. week. That, to me, was really kind of, well, maybe the Seattle game before that, but when they started to find their identity with Tanner Krebs in the starting lineup, um, what's the ceiling for this team? Well, I, I think the ceiling for this team, and, and I think what Randy is really pointing towards is an NCAA tournament bid. You know, they want, they want to get back. Winning the conference, getting better and better as the year goes on, uh, you know, pointing toward the West Coast Conference tournament in Vegas that you, you know, you come out of that, you know, let's just win it because now, you know, we don't want to leave it in the hands of anybody else. Let, let's so that that I think is is where they want to be. And don't forget, you know, last year, I mean, you lost you lost Rayhan. Joe Rayhan to me was the glue guy of this team. You know, along with Nar, but but Rayhan, I mean, he seemed to make every big shot and was a tremendous defender. And I I like Pano. I thought I thought yeah. Pano he could play center. He could play forward. As Randy said top-notch defender we miss those two players so Krebs is coming on he, he's, he's definitely getting better and and I really think you know they need Fitzner to continue to develop that's a real that's an x-factor for them Fitzner's got to get better in order for St. Mary's to reach their full potential then they're firing on all cylinders and you know I think NCAA tournament bid is where they want to be they don't want to go NIT you know that's not not that you know I'm not trying to you know speak badly about the NIT but you want you want to go to the to the big tournament and and you'd like to you know have a little success they did last year they win a game they lose to Arizona uh, a great Arizona team so that was a great game yeah great yeah. game so that, that's where they want to be see you know significantly too and this is typical of Randy's teams as well but particularly true of this team they're going to be better in March than they are right now right you know and they were they're better right now than they were three weeks ago so, and I think that's the way Randy builds his teams, you know. Uh, I think Krebs is getting better. The more minutes he gets, the better player he's becoming. Ford, I think, whereas he was kind of schizophrenic before, he'd have a good game and a not-so-good game. He's you can getting see the confidence growing yep. up. Yeah, he's better. Consistency, you know. And, uh, you know, by the end of the year, let's see what happens. They take care of the basketball. Any team that takes care of the basketball is going to have a legitimate yeah, aren't they? Aren't they first in the country? And least, turnovers per game? Yeah, and, and we were saying, I don't even know these statistics because I haven't looked them up, but when they did lose to Washington State and, and Georgia in overtime, my, I, I, would, I would suspect that they turned the ball over quite a bit more than eight or nine times. And, and I don't know what the turnover numbers were, but that, that's something that they and, – and they couldn't defend. Randy said we couldn't right. stop them. That and was I, the biggest thing. And yeah. so now you're turning it over and you can't stop them on defense and usually spells disaster when, when that happens. So 
he felt we had to make massive improvement if if we were going to be successful in the conference. Well, I think, too, that those kinds of losses are losses that actually ultimately help you down the road. Yeah, it certainly makes your team better, right? I mean, it's, I remember uh, Emmett and the seniors, Emmett, Calvin, and uh, talking about losing a game – can't remember exactly what, but as freshmen and how that helped kind of spur their run the last two years, winning 29 games the last two years, those can stick with you. And it can't just be – it's not always just in that same year, but down the road as well. And that's kind of what's turned these guys into such good leaders. Yeah, he, and again, that's the kind of character that Randy expects on his team. You know, guys, I like a guy like Nora, I just think the world of this kid, you know, both on the court and off the court. But, you know, he's not one of those rah-rah, hey, let's go guys – kind of player and yet he's got the respect of everybody on the floor and he's very definitely the leader of that team you know but he does it without being a rah-rah kind of guy and 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 even randy for that matter he's not a uh, you know a fire and brimstone kind of kind of coach you know and and i think that plays well particularly when you get down to conference tournament time and ncaa tournament time i remember what game it was now is that First round loss to Portland in the West Coast Conference tournament three years ago now, I think. Three years ago. But that, he said that kind of spurred them on this run. They never wanted to feel that way again. That's a sign of a real competitor right there. Yeah, it really is. And, and uh, you know, just to kind of piggyback on Nar, he, he's, got, he's got the ability, like Rahan did last year, and maybe Ford will also have that, in, you know, down the road, of saying, well, they don't need me to score. You know, I don't have to score. Let's let the game flow. I'll make sure – until it gets down to crunch time when he knows maybe now's the time I got to bring Lawndale up to run the screen and roll. I got to make something happen. So as a player, it, it's really hard to make something happen and to be successful. You can say, okay, I'm going to take it myself, but are you going to be successful? And he, he is, just like Rayhan was. And uh, that, that's nice to have on your team because, you know, Lawndale, to me, he's – you know, he's, gonna, he's a consistent force. I mean, he's going to be there day in and day out, and everybody in the league is going to have to deal with him, which is not going to be easy. You know, the other thing that strikes me, too, is, uh, and I, I'm, I'm particularly noticing this because my wife is writing a book about team chemistry. Um, Interesting. And, and we see a lot, you know, when you go to shoot-arounds, as I'm sure you do, you see how different teams just interact amongst themselves. And all the years we've been doing Randy Bennett's teams, there always seems to be a real chemistry amongst the – 13 or 14 or 15 kids on this no team. No doubt. And this one, exactly the same way. You could just you, you could feel you just it. see it. Yeah, yeah you just guys see are it. coming off the court, and everybody's high-fiving each other. Yeah, everybody's clapping. You can tell that everybody's – it's not like guys are looking at them like, well, I hope you miss that shot, you know, because <laughs> – Because I'm competing against you. <laughs> right, yeah. guys are competing you against know, you. Even yeah, that walking, doesn't happen. Even walking into the gym, you know, they walk in in little clatches of, you know, three or four, but they're – you know, they're like puppies. They're all like just – you could, I can't explain it to you. I can only tell you we see it, and, and we also see the opposite. Yeah, we do see the opposite quite a bit. It, it's fun to be around. All right, we'll end it with this. Every city in the West Coast Conference, pregame eating spot. I know you got one here in, uh, in Moraga. <laughs> Is there one that's your favorite? I mean, there's no shortage of food in the city for sure. I mean, L.A., San Diego, what we got? Uh, well, we, we know we go to the Chinese place here. I yeah, guess. yeah. Well, uh, we, we like Moraga. We, we like coming here, but – uh, probably for me, uh, it's a little, a little easier in, in San Francisco because we're so familiar with yeah. the city well, and there's so many places yeah, so that many you places. can, you can vary from spot to spot. And, and Barry and I used to have a great time no matter where Phoenix was good. 
uh, not, not in the West Coast Conference, but, you know, L.A. is yeah. L.A. Is LA you well, know? anywhere. I mean, yeah. if, you, if you guys have a spot, let me know, because if I'm in that city, I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we don't, we don't have a spot. Portland is a couple of good restaurants. There is. There's a yeah. lot Portland, of good Portland's a great city, yeah. You know, um, the, the unfortunate thing is uh, a lot of times, especially now doing this Saturday package, not the one that we're doing here, but the Saturday package is you're out of there. You, don't, you, you really don't have time for dinner. Other afternoon games. You know, yeah, they're yeah, afternoon yeah. games. So when you do really an afternoon time. game, you're like, you know, Barry's doing a one o'clock game. What Saturday? So you know, you come down to the game, boom, three o'clock. I mean, you're, the only Flying thing you're worried about night. there, and, and and you're not worried about thinking about the game after it's over. Can I make my plane flight exactly. at, at yeah. five o'clock? I need, I need to get to the airport, <laughs> return the car. I need to be home by six thirty, seven o'clock. So yeah. just yeah. the life of uh, of broadcasting. Yeah, well, it used to be the most important thing is where we're going to eat and what time is the flight. Yeah. Exactly. You know, it yep. didn't matter who was playing in the game. You know. <laughs> and you know, I, I got to say one final thing. I, I know we're probably right, but Barry always taught me it's very important to to uh, have an association with the crew. You know, in terms of broadcasting, we, he has always made a point of finding out the producer, the director, and many, many times when over the years, you know, we would all get together like the night before, uh, whenever we could, and not isolate ourselves away from everybody, but instead like have a group you know, lunch, a group dinner, and it was a lot of fun. And, you know, you talk about what you're going to do in the game, but it builds a lot of rapport when you do a telecast and then and he always he always taught me that that you know don't forget the guys that are working with you and not try just don't be a loner and yeah, do no it all by yourself know everybody's right. name in the truck I, i'll tell you who i learned it from i learned it from dick shap and from dick enberg who sadly passed last week yeah uh, it's, uh, and that is so important i mean having that rapport that relationship with everybody just as much as as your as your partner yeah, absolutely. No, well, you know, the guys in the truck, and it's the truth. This is not just hyperbole. You know, they could kill you. I've seen it done, you know. <laughs> no, I have. I've seen people who just don't know the name of anybody in the truck. They don't know the producer. They don't know the director. They don't know what the AD does. Yeah. They don't know what the switcher does. They don't know what the video guys do. They know nothing. They know right. nothing about the truck. They don't even walk into the truck. And I've seen, if, if you become a big enough jerk, I've seen producers and directors just kill a guy. Yeah, well, it's a good way to, to make sure you don't get work again, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, fellas, this has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for joining me again. Um, have fun calling the game tonight and the rest of the year with the WCC, and we'll see you down the road. Okay. All right, Alex. Thank you. Thank you. Having won 10 in a row, the St. Mary's men are tied atop the WCC standings at 4-0 with Gonzaga. The Gales will now head out on the road for four straight, which includes a matchup with the Zags in Spokane on Thursday, January 18th, following games at Santa Clara and Pepperdine on Thursday and Saturday of this week. Your next chance to catch Randy Bennett's team in McEwen Pavilion comes on Thursday, January 25th, when the Gales celebrate Australia Day by hosting BYU at 8 p.m. For tickets, go to smcgales.com. Four games into WCC play, the St. Mary's women sit tied for second place with LMU and BYU at 3-1, one game behind 4-0 Gonzaga. Currently riding a three-game winning streak, Paul Thomas's club now has a four-game homestand over the next two weeks, beginning with a 6.30 p.m. tip against rival Santa Clara this Thursday, January 11th. The feature matchup before the Gales hit the road again is a game against first-place Gonzaga on Thursday, January 18th at 6.30. Tickets for all contests are available at smcgales.com. So that's it. Thanks for listening to this episode of All About the G. Until next time, I'm Alex Jensen, and I'll see you at the Pavilion.